pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen.
thankful, Lord, for the opportunity you've given us to come to your house, Lord. Mighty God, for the chance to gather with your people, Lord, we just honor you for it today, God. Thank you, Lord God, that you are moving, Lord God, in this house, Lord. We thank you, Father, for your grace, your mercy, Lord God. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the sacrifice of your son, Lord God. We just honor you, Lord. Have your way in this service, Lord God. Move, Lord God. Touch hearts, Lord. Touch lives, God. We just honor you. Praise the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Thank you, Judah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The happy Father's Day, everybody. Brother Robert, you get jumped on by your children this morning? Amen. That's the way little kids are supposed to be. Remember when my, my little girls were small, that, that was the Father's, Father's Day morning thing. If they got me before I left for church, they jumped on me. Just run and jump on Dad. Just try not to hurt him. Happy Father's Day, everybody. Dads, happy Father's Day. Potential dads, happy Father's Day. You know, as a dad who raised daughters, I always had some apprehension when it came to my girls dating. Because you always think of your little girls as little girls. I don't care how old they are. You know, my oldest Tisha started talking to Jeremy when she was 13. Maybe a little bit younger. I was working a whole lot then, so I'm sure it was probably a little bit younger, maybe. Anyway, they were church sweethearts. And, um, know how it is, church sweethearts, you have to keep that Bible space in between you when you're sitting in church. You don't hold hands in church, you don't, don't put your arm around her, you don't, you know, always supervised. And always somebody ready to come and tattle if they saw something that they shouldn't have been doing. We were talking yesterday at Fiddler's birthday party. They were at church camp one year, and I get a call, you gotta come get Tisha, she gotta go home. Oh, okay, she got in trouble for something. Somebody, 
said something that wasn't true. Anyway, Tish got in trouble, so her mom said, you're going home. So I had to go pick her up. Tish is still mad about it. She's 30-something years old, she's still mad about it. And that happened when she was like 14. But kids are something else, you know. They they started, like I said, they, they started talking when she was like 12, 13 years old and then always supervised and then finally came their first time going out without somebody else going with them. Jeremy was working for a company. He's a few years older than Tisha. He was working for a company and they were having a Christmas banquet. And so they talked Tisha's mom into talking me into letting her go with him. She was 15 on this, like the, this December, she turned 16 in January, so she's 15 years old. Like they're just going to, to this banquet. This is where it's being held. They're driving straight there and they're coming straight back and they're doing this and they'll be with adults when they're there. Be somebody checking on them and It'll be fine, they said. What could happen, they said. I'll tell you what happened. She came home with this big honking engagement ring on. I hit the roof. I blew up. Wow, I'm her dad. That's what I'm supposed to do. now that they've been married a little bit over 18 years, I'm starting to get used to the idea that my little girls aren't little girls. <laughs> but no matter how old they get, they're still my babies. But maybe if I'd come up with some clever lines like these I'm going to share with you, I could have ran the boys off a little better. One father said to the boys at the door, so you like my daughter? He replied, yeah, she's a real dreamboat. So the father yells upstairs, hey, dreamboat, your barnacle's here. <laughs> Another father opened the door and told the boy, she'll just be a moment, she's finishing up her shooting lessons. Another dad. Sorry, she's not quite ready. She's just finishing up trying on her wedding dress for the third time today. How about this one? Father answered the door and said to the young man, I'm glad to meet you, Johnny. But somehow I imagined you'd have a telephone attached to your head. But you have to watch dads. One day a lady made the mistake of leaving her baby daughter in her husband's care while she was busy doing some work in another part of the house and he immediately buried himself in the news and, and forgot all about the baby till he heard this thump, 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 thump. And then this awful cry. And he instantly knew the baby done fell down the steps yelled out to his wife, honey, 
come quick. Our little girl just took her first 24 steps. But you gotta love dads. Amen. I want to share a little bit of the word with you this morning. Um, I'm gonna be reading several verses, so I mean you can write them down and you can go back and read them later. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 in the King James says this. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. These are some of the best known words in the Bible. If you ask an average person out on the street to say the Lord's Prayer, most people would be able to start it. Most people know the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, they'd at least be able to get that much of it. And a lot of people can quote that, but they don't really appreciate the full weight of the words that they're saying there. Our Father in heaven. What a great thought. What an awesome privilege to be able to address the maker of all things. place in the word says we have received the spirit of adoption whereby we're able to cry Abba Father Abba Father if you take it and you translate it down to the basic thing Daddy Daddy I remember when I was a kid my dad was always with us when I was little it was Daddy Daddy Daddy, why that? Hard to believe this is my 20th year without my dad on Father's Day. And you know, there, there's a lot of other places in the Bible that where God's described and, and describes Himself in terms of fatherhood. Psalm 68 5 said, He's a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. Is God. Psalms 103 13. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those that fear him. Isaiah 63 16. You, O Lord, are our Father, our Redeemer from everlasting is your name. Matthew 7, 9 through 11, Jesus said, Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? John 20 and 17. After he rose from the dead, Jesus told Mary to go to his disciples and tell them he was alive. And he said, I'm returning to my father and your father, to my God and your God. So this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about the fatherhood of God. I brought something today. 
Show and tell. Can you see that? That's my dad. I keep that picture of him in our den on the shelf where I can see it every day. My sister gave it to me for Christmas a few years ago. I cherish it. Reminds me of him. Reminds me of what a wonderful person he was. What a wonderful dad he was. My dad was 38 years old when I was born. He was 75 years old when he passed away. this picture he was around 19 years old it's his army picture 1946 you know anything about history that's right at the end of World War II my dad was part of the greatest generation faithfully married to my mama for 56 years before he passed away. Together they raised six children. I'm number five. They had four kids. And my sister that's next to me was nine years old and dad was like, I miss having babies in the house. So somehow he conned mom into having some more kids. Thank God. Or I wouldn't be here. We were poor, but we didn't know it. We didn't have running water in the house until I was six years old. Well, we did. We had water in the tub and take a bath in a wash tub. Kids today wouldn't know what to think. Never dawned on me until this past year how much my parents sacrificed for us. How good of a mother and how good of a father that I had. I got to thinking and looking at different things and things that I did when I was coming up and when I was going to school. <clears throat> Me and my younger brother were, were blessed because there was such an age difference between my older brothers and sisters and us. So they were all married and, and gone. You know, when my younger brother was born, my oldest brother was already married and had a baby on the way. So we were blessed because they knew what it was like to really be poor. I remember them telling me stories of when they were little kids that the, the house that they lived in, that they could look through the floor, 
slats and see the chickens running around on the ground underneath the house. And so when they got married and they got out, they began to help mom and dad with us. Because they didn't want us to have to be as poor as they were, even though we were poor. But my mom and dad made great sacrifices for me. I'm sure your parents made sacrifices for you too. But I love this picture of my dad. 19 years old. My dad had the bluest eyes. Wavy dark brown hair. That's from that generation that used real cream, you know. So he had that wavy hair. Curling. Man could grow some sideburns. But I love this picture of my dad. But I, I want to talk about a few pictures in the Word of God today that reveal some of God's character. Take a look at three pictures of fatherhood in the, in the Word of God that show us an aspect of our great Father God. First one is found in Genesis chapter 22. This is a picture of a willing father. The story of Abraham and his son, Isaac. Genesis 22, 1 through 3 says this. This is the uh, NIV. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I'll show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. So Abraham was willing. You know, in his love and in his devotion to God, he was willing to be obedient even in sacrificing his own son. You know, this was the boy that God had promised him, the boy that God had that had told him about and that he had waited years for with his wife Sarah to conceive and yet at the word from God he took his son up Mount Moriah with Isaac himself carrying the wood for the fire. Isaac carrying the wood for his own sacrifice. So not only do we have a willing father but we have a willing son. You know, if Isaac wasn't a little boy, he had have been a teenager or a young man when this happened. Strong enough to carry the wood up the mountain, but God had spoken to his father and they went together willingly. Abraham stood on that mountain, no doubt with his vision blurred with tears. He had already set up everything. He set up the altar and 
arrange the wood. And he said, Father, where's the sacrifice? Abraham said, the Lord will provide him a lamb. And then he tied Isaac up and he laid him on the altar. And just as Abraham was about to take the knife and sacrifice his son at that last possible moment, I'm sure with tears streaming down his face and his vision blurred from, from crying, you know, God saw he was obedient. The angel of the Lord cried out, wait, stop. I know you fear God. And there was a ram caught in a thicket. God prepared, prepared the sacrifice for him. Those of us who are fathers here today, we, we, we can't even imagine that kind of willingness. We only marvel at such obedience and faith. You know, what, what a test. And, and God is the willing father who in his love and in his devotion to us. He was prepared to give up his own son. And his son Jesus was willing to carry the wood, to carry the cross up Calvary's hill, to give his life as a sacrifice. But, but unlike Abraham, who was given a reprieve, Father God wasn't given a reprieve because he knew that there had to be a sacrifice for sin. You and I were in the balance. God went all the way and he gave up his son as a sacrifice for us. You know, the Bible says that all of sin and come short of the glory of God. You know, when Adam and Eve rebelled against God in the garden, the entire human race was cut off from God. Death set in. Spiritual death set in. And to this present day, man continues cut off from God except for the sacrifice of Jesus. The Word of God says the wages of our sin is death. But God gave up his son to death died in our place, provided a substitute sacrifice so that whoever believes in him, whoever trusts him as their savior can be saved and not have to go to hell, can be forgiven. They can come back into a right relationship with God forever. Our Heavenly Father was willing in love and in devotion to give us his son. He was a willing father. Second picture I'd like to talk to you about. Second Samuel chapter 18. It's a story of a wailing father. This is the story of when King David's son Absalom had plotted treason against his father. He raised up an army of discontents and sought to bring a military against his 
father's throne, you know, David's loyal soldiers under Joab's command went out to stop them in battle. And they did. And in the fighting, Absalom was killed. And the news was brought to David. This is 2 Samuel chapter 18, verses 24 through 33. This is a New Living Translation. It says, While David was sitting between the inner and outer gates of the town, the watchman climbed to the roof of the gateway by the wall. As he looked, he saw a long man running toward them. He shouted the news down to David, and the king replied, If he's alone, he has news. As the messenger came closer, the watchman saw another man running toward them. He shouted down, Here comes another one. King replied, he also will have news. The first man runs like Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, the watchman said. He's a good man and comes with good news. The king replied. Then Ahimaaz cried out to the king, everything is all right. He bowed before the king with his face to the ground and said, praise the Lord your God who has handed over the rebels who dared to stand against my lord the king. What about young Absalom? The king demanded, is he all right? Ahimaaz replied, when Joab told me to come, there was a lot of commotion, but I don't know what was happening. Wait here, the king told him, so Ahimaaz stepped to the side. Then the man from Ethiopia arrived and said, I have good news for my lord, the king. Today the Lord has rescued you from those who rebelled against you. What about young Absalom? The king demanded. Is he all right? And the Ethiopian replied, May all of your enemies, my lord the king, both now and in the future, share the fate of that young man. The king was overcome with emotion. He went up to the room over the gateway and burst into tears. And as he went, he cried, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I had died instead of you. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. David's heartbroken over the death of his son, Absalom. Absalom hadn't been a faithful son. He, he dealt terribly with his father. You know, he sought to overthrow the throne. He sought to, 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 to oust David and, and take over his kingdom. But I'm sure David, thinking about it, thought about the little boy that he had bounced on his knee. The young man that he had watched grow before him into manhood. It was his flesh and blood. blood. True fathers don't stop loving their children. David loved Absalom and at the news is his at the news of his death, David's heart was torn in two. His heart was broken. It's a picture of our Father God. The God that doesn't take delight in the destruction of the wicked. He loves us. And all of us have, have turned our back on God. We're born in that state. We're born with our, our, our back turned 
to God and, and we go our own way and we do our own things and so many people refuse to return to a right relationship with God. Even after God was willing to give up his son and sacrifice to bring us to that right relationship with him, so many people still turn away. But God remembers how it should have been, how it could have been. He knows the plans that he has for us. Know what it says in Jeremiah? I know the plans that I have for you. Plans for good, not evil. He remembers the relationship that he wanted to have with us. You know, there's a glimpse into that in Jesus' words over Jerusalem. Sounds a lot like David's words over Absalom. Oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom. Jesus said this, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. The one that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. But you were not willing. Israel wouldn't receive Jesus, and in rejecting them, him, they rejected God. Jesus was heartbroken. His father was heartbroken. And God's father heart is broken by people that don't want to have relationship with him. By people that want to live without him. And the thing of it is, our, our, our God's a holy God, and he can't condone sin, and his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts, you know, and, and there isn't any part of sin in his perfect nature. But God loves us with a committed and with an everlasting love. A love that's more real and more powerful than any love that you've ever known. But don't mistake that for some human sentimentality that would allow him to sweep your sin under the carpet and overlook it. He can't deny himself. He can't deny his holiness and, and his justice. Does that mean people are going to go to hell? Yeah. Why? Because they refuse God's love. They refuse God's mercy. They refuse God's grace. So they go to hell and it breaks God's heart. That wailing father. Second Peter 3 9 says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Second Samuel 14, 14 says this, for we will surely die and become like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Yet God does not take away a life, but he devises means so that his banished ones are not expelled from him.
God devises means. He goes to extraordinary length and he works out extravagant plans so that you and I can be saved. <clears throat> so that someone with the right word in due season can come to us and share the love of Jesus with us, witness to us, and let us know of God's mercy in God's love. God sent prophets to prepare the way. He fashioned history to prepare a time. And then, as the word says, in the fullness of time, Jesus came. He sent his only son to live and to die for us so that those banished ones wouldn't be expelled from him. And having done all that, don't you think... share with you. And this is a story that's found in Luke chapter 15. God's a waiting father. And you remember this story that Jesus told. So there was a certain man had two sons. The prodigal son came to his father and said, give to me the portion of goods that falls to me. You know, I, I want to go ahead. I want to get my inheritance now. I know you're still living, but I, but I want my inheritance now. And so the Bible says that the father divided his goods to his sons. He gave them both their inheritance. And the younger son, the prodigal, took off and spent all of his goods with riotous living. He went and partied and wasted his money and and did everything and wound up broke as a joke in a foreign country and famine hits and he winds up joining himself to a pig farmer feeding hogs which is not a good job for a Jewish person because they consider swine unclean. Not supposed to have anything to do with them. Not supposed to mess with them. But here he is. He's feeding the hogs. And he's so hungry that he's thinking to himself, this slot don't look too bad today. But the word of God says that he came to himself there in the hog. This I'll do. I'll go back to my father's house. And I'll tell my father, I don't even have to be your son. I know that I've sinned against you and against God and, and everything else. But just make me like one of your servants. Just make me like one of your servants. I know that servants in my father's house, father's house have more than enough to eat. So the prodigal son turns and he goes back. And here he is. He's, he's walked away. He's gone off in his own rebellious mouth. 
but his father is waiting. His father's longing. His father's hoping. His father's looking. And the story says that that the prodigal son is coming home, but when the father sees him afar off, that lets you know he was looking for him. The father runs to him. And he embraces him and, and he falls on his neck and he welcomes him and he restores him. He tells him, you know, he, he goes through his whole build, you know, Lord, you know, Father, just make me as one of your servants. And the father turns to his servants and says, go to the house. Get a fresh robe. Get shoes and put them on his feet. Bring a ring and put it on his finger. Because my son, who was dead, is alive. He ran to him. He embraced him. He welcomed him. He restored him. And that's all it takes today. One step toward God. And he runs to you with open arms. The old song, When God Ran. The chorus of it says, He ran to me. wiped the tears from my eyes with forgiveness in his voice he said son don't you know I still love you it doesn't matter how far we walk away from God he's looking for us to turn and to take one step toward him and he'll run to us He'll welcome us. He'll embrace us. He'll restore us. He'll give us a place in his household. He'll dress us in the best robe. Give us the privileges of sonship and daughterhood. He loves us. He's a God of grace. He's a waiting father. your response to the waiting father today? Will you come home? Will you cast yourself before him? On his great mercy. Just say this. Father, I've sinned. I'm not worthy to be called your son. But I believe that you willingly gave up your son. Jesus to die 
my death penalty. I believe that you bankrupted heaven to keep me out of hell, to have me home with you. And I won't ignore that sacrifice. Amen. When God hears that kind of simple prayer, that kind of simple thing, we're going to find a waiting father. A father that'll receive us, uh, that'll take us as his own son and daughter and allow us to live with him forever. Amen. I've got my nose running. Crying and stuff. Hallelujah. Well, Facebook family, we're glad that you've joined with us. We're going to cut this off, finish up our service here. God bless y'all today. Amen. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.